0: Welcome to the Dripping in Black Podcast, where we celebrate Black excellence throughout the Black diaspora. Here's your host, David V. Lewis. What's up, good people all across the world? This is the Dripping in Black Podcast. I am your host, David V. Lewis. And per usual, we have another fantastic guest who represents Black excellence. Today's guest is Rod Wallace. Rod, say hello to the world.
1: Hello, hello, peace. Good morning. Watching, oh, I, I I guess. I have. How are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's early in the morning. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, they right. can catch it anytime they want to, but absolutely, we are recording in the morning. So, what's
1: up, sir? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Everything yeah. is great.
0: Yeah. So, Rod Wallace. You wear lots and lots of hats. Um, You do a lot of dynamic things in a lot of different arenas. But uh, when we say Rod Wallace, what's the first thing to come to mind for you? Who is Rod Wallace?
1: Um, I'm a father. Hmm. I'm a father and I'm a husband. And I take those roles extremely serious. Um, I'm very careful to make sure that that stands at the top of everything else. Um, I'm also a creator. I'm also a creator. I I recognize that my, a lot of the value that I have to the external world involves the constructions of my mind. So I develop ideas. I provide counsel. I place my trust within others. And I seek to serve through all things that I do. So, Wow. Wow. All right. So,
0: man, great words. I wish I had have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's dope. So, but give us a little background about where
1: you're from. I was born in Flint, Michigan. Um, went to Flint community schools, south side of Flint. Uh, during... You know, before in in the 1980s, Buick City, which was the biggest manufacturing plant in the United States, closed. Um, Flint was drastically, drastically affected. Um, So, growing up in the face of that, uh, and then, uh, but I I always sought an understanding of life through reading. Um, Mm. I was a, a reader. I love to read. I love to explore. I love to read encyclopedias and almanacs, comic books, newspaper. My father brought me the newspaper every day. Um, USA Today. So I read that every day after I turned about seven or eight, and I read it every day up until I became, um, till I graduated from high school. Went to Eastern Michigan University, um, and first sought a degree in telecommunications and film but shifted over to education due to the support and impact of some of the young men that I was on campus with. Um, I just happened to be a part of a great social group, um, that believed that education was, um, uh, it meant the liberation of people. And I believed at an early age that there was a need for that type of lens. Um, the African-American that the, the people who were like me were engaged in, spiritual and psychological warfare in this country so i took that on very early um it transcended you know being in flint and going to ypsilanti and going to eastern michigan um and yeah i i ended up graduating with a degree in history at which time i started teaching in northwest detroit Uh, Shout out to Detroit Service Learning Academy, uh, (laughs) formerly YMCA Service Learning Academy. And I taught there. I learned how to coordinate curriculum there. I learned how to lead there. I learned how to I learned how to I I became a man there, to Mm -hmm. be honest, from college. And and I I hold my students, especially my, my students that I worked with early on, I hold them in the highest regard because they helped me to become a man. I was fresh out of college, you know, bright eyed, bushy tail, you know, and they kind of said, we need you to lead us. Mm. And so I accepted that. And uh, I'm always grateful for that. And so. Learn how to, you know, learn school administration and operation and everything right there um, with a group of fantastic and dynamic other teachers and leaders who have spread out all over the educational landscape in Michigan and beyond. Yeah. Um, you know, to all different kinds of organizations, <clears throat> excuse me, all kinds of different organizations and districts to, so I went from essentially being an uncertified teacher because my initial thought was to graduate from, I mean, graduate from college and go straight into grad school and look to hopefully become a professor, um, a history okay. professor. I wanted to write and be a history professor, but K-12 came calling and it really became a home for me. So, uh, yeah, I was uncertified. I went back, I got my master's, you know, I went into leadership. I became yeah. an assistant principal. I was there for 12 years total. I eventually ascended all the way to the principalship in the same building, which is, yeah. it's hard to do. Um, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Then I, I moved, I went to, I came out to Dearborn Heights where I was the principal at Westwood New Tech until it, messed with Robichard and then I went out to River Rouge and uh continued in school administration there, built some fantastic programs and 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 really saw how a community and a school could become one. Shout out to River Rouge School District, shout out to Derek Coleman, yeah. Terrence Wheeler, um, Elisa Barry Brown, all of the great fantastic people who I work with there. Um and then uh, eventually due to, you know, family circumstances and other things, I ended up having to do something that would allow me to be able to have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule. Yeah. So um, I ended up answering the call to come to Eastern Michigan and lead their upper bound program. And in the process I began working on my PhD simultaneously and using that time to really expand my understanding of how, Education fits into the framework of society on a grander scale. So participating in a lot of different activities, a lot of different organizations, steering committees, advisory boards, just to learn. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I want to jump in. I want to uh, touch on a few things.
1: Hope I didn't go too
0: far. Oh, no. It's Hey, it's no such thing as too far here. You know, we're just conversing, so... But, uh, you know, when when someone's speaking, you know, my mind gets to work and the questions get to popping up. True. Sure. You know, so I, I read a lot about your story. I, all, we also have crossed paths on several occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I come to meet you uh, at Robichard High School when I got hired in over there. Right. And, right. You know, it's crazy how the world works. But uh, yes, I ended up at Robichard because Inkster schools closed. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, there's a story behind that. And then when I get there, there's two separate schools, which I really wasn't aware that it was two separate schools when I got hired in. And, you know, so there's two principals there. I'm under the Robichaud principal, but I see this guy, black dude, dressed in a suit, smooth (laughs) every day. I'm like, who is this dude? You know, and uh, we come to cross paths. We probably say hello and things like that. Absolutely. Um, You know, through the hallways and everything, just kind of a nod, you know, you know how we do when we see each other. Absolutely. Um, so I always kind of recognized you and uh, kind of the person that you represented yourself to be. And uh, since then, we've kind of run into each other and this and that. Um, but I want to get into first, uh, specifically, you talked about the program director at Upward Bound at EMU. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what that is for people that don't know what, what, what you do.
1: OK, so Upward Bound is a, a federally funded program. It's a part of an umbrella of federal programs called TRIO. Programs and these programs, at their foundation, at their base, they're intended to subvert income inequality. And they subscribe to the idea that in order to do so, you have to provide students who are low income and potential first generation college graduates with support, with the support that is necessary and the experiences that are necessary to make college a potential reality for them. So, what we do. Um, it's a grant. It's a it's a, a grant cycle, a five year grant cycle. So we're in the midst of that cycle right now. We're about to start writing actually for the next grant cycle, which would be two, uh, 22, 2022, excuse me. So we provide academic tutoring. We work directly with a high school. We're funded to serve a certain amount of, of students. We work directly with a high school and provide academic tutoring and support to them several times a week for us is Monday through Thursday um, you know, for two hours after school. Um, and right now it's, it, you know, obviously we've had to transition the program to being virtual. Um, we hire college tutors from Easter and train them, um, not only in effective tutoring strategies, but in effective mentorship strategies and trauma informed practices, because many wow. of our students, um, I mean, our, our students come from troubled waters, in most yeah. cases, in many cases. Yes. Um, I don't like to generalize, but I have. But uh, truth be told, a, a number yeah. of our students, we have to just be able to acknowledge it and really stand in a foundation of understanding. Yeah. And that's something I'm really huge about um, with our That's that's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. Uh, and our team does a great job of preparing tutors to be able to do that. We also offer Saturday programming that is by grade level. We offer SAT prep for juniors. We offer resume building and and scholarship writing for seniors we offer financial literacy for sophomores and study skills for freshmen um, my biggest focus is working primarily with the freshmen who are transitioning from middle school because i yeah. do feel strongly about the fact that they get off to a strong start as freshmen if they can if they can my my rule of thumb has always been if you can leave freshman year with a 3.0 grade point average yeah. the chances of you going to college Anybody can go to college who graduates from high school, but the chances of you having to pay less to go to college skyrocket. Yes. Period. Point blank. There are more classes failed as freshmen than any other subject. I mean, than any, any other grade level. So I'm really hands on with the freshmen, And we also do a summer academy program where our students stay on campus uh, residentially for five weeks during the summer. Last week of June, all the way through July, mm-hmm. um, from Sunday night to Friday night, we feed them we have tutors and peer advisors that are on place i mean that are in place and we treat them like college students we okay. um they have core programming um core class programming that they have they also have workshops that they do that basically we attempt to utilize their voice to determine what those workshops are we've done i obviously financial literacy but also things like robotics and drones and stuff like that um and then we uh-huh. take the students out of state uh that uh-huh. last week that sixth week and we take them out of state and we visit three colleges. So it's really an authentic learning experience for students. We, we tend to be extremely successful by every metric when it comes to getting kids to and through school. Now, okay. there's a lot of X factors that, that can happen after students graduate, because ultimately our program is, is, is judged by um, how many of our students who participate in our program graduate from college within six years of leaving high school. There's a lot of X factors that are that happen between graduation and six years after high school. So no doubt. It just illustrates the need. It just definitely illustrates the need. But also um, in the process, what what I've chosen to do with Upper Bound is firmly integrate Upper Bound into the community and into the discussion in the community as an advocate for low income and first generation students, as a, a dot connector for our students and families to community resources because there's plenty of community resources that exist, but sometimes the community, there's a communication gap. So we, we fill that gap. We fill that need. Um, We also operate as a conduit between the university and the community as well. Um, Our, our program is housed in the community engagement department at the university, uh, which allows us to say, you know, to hear about different programs and things that's going on and say, Hey, this is how this can help my kids. So yeah. let's partner and do this and do that. So we've built a number of great partnerships. And so it, it, it shifts from just being an, ecu, uh, an educational organization to one that actually um, is, is engaged in social justice and engaged in social change. So I'm really proud of what we've been able to accomplish.
0: There's a couple of things that I thought about um, as you were speaking. So COVID has hit. We're all living with COVID nineteen. Absolutely, uh, and well, I should I shouldn't say
1: that we're all living with the COVID nineteen pandemic. <laughs> it's a little bit more different context. Well, if you listen to what people say, <laughs> they say you need to act like every like everybody is living yeah. with it around you.
0: <laughs> yeah, but um, so how has that uh, impacted what you do? I know you spoke a little bit about it, but talk a little bit more about it specifically with the ninth graders because I'm still in the classroom. And I have a perspective of how it's affecting the ninth grade uh, group specifically and specifically the demographic to which we we deal with. So talk a little bit about how COVID-19 has impacted what you're doing with Upward Bound.
1: We we offer ourselves as a resource when we present ourselves to kids day. You know, when we go in classrooms and we make presentations, we make it where Upward Bound is the way out. Upper Bound is an opportunity to engage. It's an opportunity to make sure that you're prepared for what is next because nobody really knows what is next. But we're saying, look, this is going to come to an end. And by the time you come out of it, if you deal with us, we can guarantee you that if you follow our process, academically, you will be in a place where you can go to college. Hmm. This is temporary. So the engagement has to be high power. It has to be personal. It has to be individual.
0: And have you been able to, to accomplish that?
1: We have. We've been very successful in terms of um, going into classrooms and getting kids involved. We've we've we turned all of our recruitment efforts and everything to online and it's worked.
0: So talk a little bit about that. So because, you know, we're in the virtual world. So like in pre-COVID, going into the classroom, you literally going into the classroom. Yeah. So going into the classroom looks different. Right. Right. of that what? What do you mean when you say we're going into the classroom is upward bound?
1: So I I partner with teachers, and I say let me let me get into your Zoom room for 15 minutes and talk to your kids, yeah. and I'll go in there hype, yeah. super hype, like what's up? Let's go! This, <laughs> you know, I am telling you this. I'm I'm the energy. I try to make the energy. Um, I try to make it contagious. And so we we have an online forum, we go through a presentation, we show kids a video of what our kids have done. Mm. Um, and we we talk statistics. Our kids are currently scoring a hundred points higher than the rest of the school wow. on the SAT. You know, we had six four point the first quarter of the school year. Wow. We had 27 students with a 3.5 or higher. Those are the people who are subscribing to the system and getting the help that they need. It's just it just takes commitment. And so it's, it's all about what I would tell anybody is, it's all about your energy. This is tough for everybody. Yeah. But if you subscribe to the same depressing mode that it can give you, you're yeah. no better than anybody else. Yeah. So step to it with energy, step to it with love, step to it with a genuine interest. And then on top of that, once you get people involved, once you get people engaged, follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up and communicate regularly regularly um I just think about if I was still in the admin, if, if I was still in the assistant principalship that I was at at Roos I mm. would really stress upon my teams and my teachers about how important it is to have that one-to-one discussion and communication with kids and not mm. just make it punitive yeah. one of the biggest complaints uh, and and I hope I'm answering your question but one of the biggest complaints that teachers have is kids are not engaged kids cameras off kids this kids that yeah what are you doing to engage them when the alternative is the internet? The alternative is Xbox. So you got to be high powered. even just your human energy. Got to be high power. You don't got to have all kinds of tech tricks. And you know what I'm saying? I got my lights and stuff in the background and this, that <laughs> the third, you know, you ain't got to do all that. I mean, you just have to have real authentic engagement and listen to what they want.
0: Yeah. And I, and I would, I would say that in engagement, is a loaded word because I can have uh, something up like an anime character
1: mm-hmm. instead
0: of my face and still be very engaged in what you're talking about if what you're talking about is engaging. Absolutely. You know, um, there may be reasons, again, talking about a demographic that we, we deal with, with that I don't want to show what's behind me. Absolutely. You know? And so I think we have to be uh, you know, empathetic and sensitive to that as well. If I'm showing up, I always felt like this pre-COVID, you know, if the kid is showing up, you know, then then it's on me from there. Mm -hmm. If they showing up, then it's on me from there. You know, Mm -hmm. but again, I digress. Uh, This this is about Rod Wallace. So and it's a lot to talk about with you, Rod. Um, So we got into the education part, but we know you are very passionate about something else and that is hip hop. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about your introduction to hip hop and then we'll get into some more specifics about what you're doing with regards to
1: hip-hop I was introduced to hip-hop primarily by Paul Kennedy my neighbor um lived next door to me and you know had the box and his house was outside my bedroom window and I'm listening to him play you know Spoonie G and New York, New York, big city of dreams and all that. This is like 82, 83. <laughs> I mean, I'm young, young. And I, I love music before that. I used to sit in the barbershop and read the, the Jets top 20 singles to everybody. Yeah. And it was like this impressive thing. <laughs> I, was to like jet, man. <laughs> I was like a kid and I could read all that. So, yeah. Um, but what I found was, um, you know, hip hop was hip hop was they spoke my language um mm. as a kid who grew up i grew up in a southern christian household with a devoutly christian mother mm. um you know a father who who worked in the plant um and somewhere in between that i had to figure out who i wanted to be so i was doing yeah. a lot of reading and everything and, and hip hop just i just really stuck to hip hop and i i looked at it as um a like a tool of liberation like I looked at LL Cool L. Coo- J was as much a superhero as Batman and Superman was to me. Indeed. And in I'm Indeed. bad video, you know. Um, yeah. And then as I grew older, um, my favorite album of all time is Ice Cube's America's Most Wanted. Okay. It arrived in my life at a time where I was determining and figuring out what it meant to be a black man in America. Okay. And it taught me that it's okay to be intelligent.
0: Yeah.
1: It's okay to be masculine it's okay yeah. to be strong you know um because these are the conditions with which you've been born into yeah and so you have to create value you have to create meaning yourself so it started there and it expanded into um me creating my own music me yeah. wanting to understand and learn more about the technology involved in making music me involved getting more involved in how hip hop became like a praxis for discussion. Um, I was one of the kids that was beating on the table in the lunchroom, yeah. You know, with the twenty-five people was rapping and this, that, yeah. and the third. And when I got to college, that's who I was too, yeah. And what I what ended up ha- I, I started working on music and creating music and 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 created projects before I left college. And when I left college and went into the classroom. I was finding ways to use hip hop in my classroom. Whether yeah. it was, you know, I was the teacher that was playing Jay Dilla instrumentals so quiet in the background that the class had to be drip drop quiet to hear it. And because they wanted to hear it, they would do it. So my class would be when they when we were doing independent work and it was time to work quietly at least.
0: Yeah,
1: my classroom would be super quiet. Mm. So. Um, And then having my kids perform, having my kids create rap, create, you know, rap songs about subject matter, um, using issues and topics and song topics in class to illustrate concepts in history. Because I was a social studies teacher. Yeah. Um, Most important. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I believe social studies teachers make the best principles, too. But that's a whole nother discussion. Social studies teachers run the world principally.
0: We have to do that on the second. second absolutely. Up. Absolutely. Let's jump into some specifics about uh, 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 your hip hop, right? So you okay. produce four solo albums. Yes.
1: Yeah. Talk a little bit about those. Um, I left music when I got into administration mm. um, because it was just too much. I ain't had time um, to kind of play around per se in that world while I was expected to lead you know, 50 staff members and yeah, 555 absolutely. kids because I felt like I had to step to that discipline with the same intensity as anything yeah. else. I wanted to learn everything. So I, I let music go for a minute. I got married. I had a child. And then music came back to me as like a tool for me to um relax. And so <laughs> I started to create music again. My wife actually bought me a piece of equipment that made it easier for me to do that. Okay. Um, that was back in 2012, uh, started working on music, started connecting with people via the internet, making music, this, that, and the third. And then I started making beats and beats and beats and beats and beats to the point where I said, I might as well just start putting out projects. So I put out a project in 16, one in, no one in 15, one in 16, one in 17, no 16, 17, 18, and 19. I put out instrumental albums in the course of doing that. But before, before any of this happened, I, was, I had already been an engineer and been mixing other people's music and okay. doing all kinds of things. So yeah, I put out those projects and then I also started to produce for other people and mix for other people. So other than doing my schoolwork um, and things of that nature, it just became um, second nature for me to do. And we built a music production program at River Rouge as well called Ramp with a okay. studio in the high school and a class where 125 kids were making beats every day. Okay.
0: And so you have since left River Rouge. Is that program still up and running?
1: Absolutely. Shout out to Travis B. Um, you know, uh, Ramp is still it still works. It, what I found was that what me and me and Mr. Bean found was there were kids that were coming to school just because of that program. Yeah. So if, if it means that one or two kids, if it's making one or two kids more interested, then let's put some resources behind it and build it. And yeah. um, it worked.
0: Yeah, so it, it reminds still works. me of uh, Quan because Quan used to do some of this, something very similar. Quan Elums, absolutely. And, uh, so my question now is: Is there a way to uh, spread that kind of teaching and draw throughout the schools? Have Have we Have you
1: considered that? Have, are you in the process of working on anything like that? I am. I am. That's kind of the foundation of. That's kind of the foundation of my studies. Okay. Um, in 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 my doctoral program although my program is urban ed what my my dissertation topic right now is it's about informal and formal music education programs uh, right. like music i'm sorry music uh, production programs because they are somewhat rare however they have the capacity to teach kids stem competencies and yeah. um collaboration and problem solving and technology yeah. um so is something that I've been looking to build and partnering with different vendors and things of that nature to be able to put together programs that meet the needs of kids and can teach them. And it gives us an opportunity to engage with the community in a different way. Yeah, because there's Absolutely. a lot of young men that are in our community that are not looked at as necessarily hireable or um, you know uh, economically viable people. Yet they understand this technology and they understand the discipline that's involved in it. So, yes, um, that is that's kind of my target right now is creating a program that's replicable across the different districts and schools. Okay,
0: Excellent. So let's talk about some of the programs that you're already a part of because they're plentiful, right? Let's talk about Grove Studios,
1: okay. Um, Grove Studios is a 24/ seven 365 uh, rehearsal and production workspace in Ypsilanti. Um, when I moved out there to begin working, I started seeking a space to work. Uh, On music and away from the office, although I did have like a setup in my office as well, where I do, I guess you could say I do. Mm -hmm. And I ended up partnering with them. I ended up identifying opportunities for them to engage in the community in really authentic ways. And we developed a partnership. And I had the opportunity to um, see them wish to be involved in the community in a more authentic way than just as a vendor. And um, they showed the heart and the desire to be able to do that. So I supported it. So I came on with them as the educational programs coordinator to identify um, grant-funded programs or community-based programs that can benefit from what Grove has. And Grove has like a production space, rehearsal workspace, podcast space. Mm. Um, We've worked on some instructional things. We've done workshops. Uh, One of the things that we're doing right now is called the Amplify Fellowship, which uh, basically Provides local artists with studio time in exchange for community service. If they okay. spend three hours a month in a community organization, um, they get studio time, and yeah. that's been very successful.
0: Now, how how does the person reach out to you to become okay. a part of that, or do you reach out to them? What's the process?
1: Well, it's based in Washington County. Uh, a student, a person has to be a resident of Washington County, okay. um, where ypsilanti is. Um, there is an application process that occurs every September. Uh, we just brought in our fellows, um, the, our, 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 this year's fellows, um, in at the beginning of November and yeah, there's an application process and you can follow the Amplify project on social media, um, that, or if, if you go on Instagram, you can follow them at, uh, Amplify Washington. Okay. And the vision is to expand that program across the state and hopefully across the country. Yeah.
0: All right. And so then there's also Formula 734 Hip Hop Project. OK. Let's talk about that.
1: One of the programs that we built at Grow Studios or we built through a partnership was Washtenaw County. My brother's keeper was interested in um, engaging young men and allowing them to, to to appraise the narrative about them and then be able to shift that narrative as they saw fit. So wow. we felt like the best way for them to do that was through <laughs> music. Uh, we recruited young men, well, an intergenerational group of men from uh, from ages 16 through 52 um, to create music at Grove Studios. What we did was we started with we circled up. We had conversations about specific themes. We took notes and then we said, okay, so this week we're talking about trauma. So this this is what you know, what we've engaged in. This is the conversation that we've engaged in. Take this information and go write a song about it. And they would go write wow. a song about it and we would record it and we created an entire album out of that. So wow. the album was wow. sold on Bandcamp and it went, it did extremely, extremely well. And it was a liberation. It was a, a liberatory experience to the, to the artists who were involved because they learned a lot more than just about making an album. They learned about you know, uh, marketing. They learned about um, yeah. editing. They learned about because we're, really we tried to keep it in their hands as much as possible. Yeah. So yeah, that's something I'm extremely proud of. Yeah. And then there's Project Plug In. Well, Project Plug In is principally um my brand when it comes to this intersection between hip hop and education. Okay. So all of the consulting and all of the project management and and prog- yeah, project and program management that I encounter is done under the under the umbrella of Project Plugin. So yeah. we've done events in the community, uh, such as we've done like like production, like production meetings. Like uh, we call it the Dirty Thirty. So we'll we'll invite producers to come to a place, and we'll give them the all we'll give them all the same like sample or whatever, and they'll have thirty minutes to make a beat out of it. And there's a prize at the end because we what we want to do is we want to engage artists in different ways to collaborate versus just i'm gonna get up on stage and i'm gonna perform and then i'm gonna step off the stage yeah um because this is the language that our kids and our young people are, are speaking let's make sure that we give them the opportunities to do it in safe spaces so that's what it was and project plug-in is really just again my brand for doing those kind of things
0: all right great and so you you have this um you have a couple of philosophies that i want to dig into right now You talk Mm -hmm. about the revolutionary act as an educator uh, or education being a revolutionary act and this liberatorial perspective of hip hop, hip hop being this conduit for liberation. Mm All right. Talk about both of those things with this uh, with this backdrop for me, Wallace. Hip hop has changed dramatically since you were introduced to it. Right. Yes. Would you say that? Absolutely. All right. And so hip hop is a little bit different. And, you know, when you started talking about Spoonie G and all of that, that was, you know, that's me. Okay. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, you've traversed through hip hop basically from the beginning to -hmm. what it is now. So in the backdrop of your mind, how the 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 hip hop has uh, how hip hop has changed or or maybe even evolved. what it is today in the backdrop of your mind keep that in mind as you're talking about these two concepts if you will
1: um i think i think that those two concepts are closely related and it it, and hip-hop is interwoven into both of them i think teaching is an act of revolution because the only way to address um the inequities of 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 society is to change attitudes Mm. and we can all sit and think about individuals who had an effect on the manner in which we saw the world. And as a social studies teacher, I know you understand that we walk up thin line between placing our own dogma and our own philosophies onto kids, which we do with also granting them the ability to think for themselves. And I think that what we see in society, society currently is, because of the proclivity of media to spread and separate people and, and yes. cut out the ability to think for themselves, cut out people's ability to think for themselves. That's where you get all this separation from. So in teaching, teaching is an act of social change, like of social justice. Um, yeah. The act of teaching is necessary in order to, it's the foundation for social justice in a way, yeah. because if the intention of education is to give people the ability to prosper as citizens, the teacher themselves has to be engaged and interested in making that change themselves. Mm. And if they're not, you know what I'm saying? They're there. We know that there are kids who are going to be successful regardless of who's standing in the classroom. Absolutely. So therefore, as a teacher, especially a teacher of individuals who have been traditionally underserved, yeah. Our act, our activity walking into the classroom every day has to be one that is built upon service and love and information. So that's where that comes from. That's where my idea about teaching as an act of revolution is. And I think in the same token. Hip hop is traditionally viewed as being what it is in the commercial market. Yeah. Hip hop is the clownish. Let's keep it a buck clownish, gun-toting, reckless, and that's not the only thing that hip-hop is, but that is what is commercially viable to companies, to Viacom, to Warner Brothers, to Universal. That is what is making money. So, therefore, it's important to recognize that you have to look at the process of creating hip-hop to understand its true value, the subject matter provides the money. Mm. The subject matter provides the money, but there are literacies that are involved in the creation of hip hop yeah. that are undermined.
0: Yeah,
1: primarily because hip hop is a black art. Yeah, in my opinion. So yeah. when I say it's a liberatory practice, what I'm really saying is is that a kid has to understand that because i love hip hop it means that i also love wordplay it means that i also love confidence it means that i also love technology it means that i also love creativity
0: yeah
1: hip hop is a product of all of those things if you get caught up with the gunplay the things that are resultant from inequity and the things that are um and, and we buy into it as a cycle hip hop has destroyed lives of people yeah keeping it keeping it all I can I can say that as an advocate for hip hop because we don't do as good we don't do a good enough job of saying like even though Ice Cube was my favorite album when I was 13 14 years old I knew that some of the things that were depicted were things that I was not prepared to understand and engage with myself and a lot of our kids understand that as well but we also have a lot of kids who are at a survival stage so the one thing I also say about Ice Cube is Anytime Ice Cube was was a gangster on a record, he ended up going to jail or dying. Every record, if you really go back to those days. So. That's why hip hop is so intertwined with education to me, because I just view it as being a vehicle and a medium. It's an artistic medium like painting on a canvas. Yeah. So I want to ask you this, because
0: I have this belief that you have hip hop and then you have rap you know so when i think of hip hop that's the true essence of the culture of rap. absolutely and so i don't think of hip hop as being this buffoonery i think uh absolutely as being uh, uh the the rap that has been that has been uh, you know this the the stolen culture of hip hop being used to make money and under the guise of hip hop but it's really rap so what are your thoughts on that um would you say that would you say something different to that? Or would you say that uh, that's pretty on, on par? Is it is a difference between hip hop and rap? I guess is the question.
1: I think I think that KRS once said it best when he said hip hop is something that you are and rap is something that you do. Okay. And rap music is... Rap music in the commercial space is what it is. Um, it's the most streamed music there is that exists. Yeah, I think hip-hop and it's a there is a lot of rap that could that should not be considered to be hip-hop per se Mm -hmm. there is i mean because hip-hop even in its inception you know when we talk about graffiti when we talk about the five elements of hip-hop moving beyond moving beyond this concept of um you know the act so djing is really the manipulation of technology yes Graffiti is the visual element of it. Graffiti is the visual element of hip hop. MCing is about leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, B-boying, dancing is about the physicality Mm -hmm. of hip hop. And then the fifth element is knowledge of self. Mm -hmm. And the unfortunate truth is that knowledge of self is what delineates between a lot of rap music what becomes rap. You can rap from a hip hop perspective. If it illustrates knowledge of self and it illustrates understanding from a broader, from the broader perspective that what you're saying has power. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there is definitely a delineation. Um. I think hip hop itself, the concept itself has become commodified too. And, and, and what is scary yeah. is that, we are not in control of that there are there are and we give away control of it so often yeah Uh, we have the capacity to control it because we've every time people take hip-hop culture and they use it to do something we do something different with it like for example just real quick Dave, this this argument about um breakdancing uh breakdancing in the olympics there are people who are honestly offended <laughs> like how you, you know, it's cultural appropriation, this that a third. I mm. need you to understand that black people gave away breakdancing. Cause that's what black people create. We create culture. Mm. We create an export culture. That's yeah. what that's the number one export of the black community. Wow. So you can't be offended. You can't be offended by the fact that now it's Japanese kids that's about to win these gold medals in breakdancing, bro
0: <laughs>
1: You know, they about to they they about to smash that, I'm telling you. Yeah. And and so Yeah, I think that's what it is, man. I think I think it's definitely a difference. I think I think that that knowledge of self element is what is the biggest determinant factor.
0: All right. So a a question that I have for you, you're steeped in hip hop. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the current state of hip hop?
1: I think what's beauty about what's beautiful about technology is the fact that you can find what you want. If I want to listen to what they play on, I don't listen to the radio. Right. I don't listen to even the most popular playlists on streaming services, but there are artists around me every day that's making the type of music that inspires me. I have to support them mm-hmm. as opposed to criticizing what artists A and artists B, who I don't know and don't have a connection with is doing. Yeah. I have to consider those people who are around me and who are speaking my language. I have been able to be, I have been blessed to be connected with so many artists that tell my story, be it coming from the perspective of somebody trying to get a PhD to somebody who is a, you know, who, who is a father and a husband yeah, and they still nice on the mic, but you know, they, they got grown man consigns. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, And so hip hop, the current state of it is, Um, it's not even exploited anymore. Hip hop is hip hop as a commodified entity is a machine. It's Mm. a machine that crafts culture over and over. And that, that culture gets commodified. How I just think about how often Dave, we hear about artists who complain about their deals and complain about, you know, I was exploited by the record company. That narrative is old. That Mm. narrative is old. So when, as we empower each other, Or as we empower to maintain control over this craft, we have to we have to be willing to say, I don't have to be at a certain level or a certain stage in order to feel that that is my criteria for success. Because when you go to that level, that's when the negativity and whatever else is going to be focused on. So. Hip hop, to me, has been decolonized it has been democratized through technology. Hip hop mm-hmm. and technology are like this. Yeah. It's been democratized. Kids can make a song at the crib and upload it to YouTube. And it, ha- it might have 50,000 views yeah. in a month or something like that. And that's OK. And yeah. it might not be about nothing or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's OK. Yeah. Um, so, again, it just goes back to the practice. The practice itself is what is most important because there are a number of cognitive skills that are involved in creating music. And if we focus around that, as well as people who are telling the stories that we want to listen to, then everything will be okay.
0: Yeah. All right. I think we're going to have to <laughs> wind down. Uh, we we, we have right, to, uh, to be continu- continued for the first time. Uh, it's just so much more to kick it with you about uh, Rod Wallace. Uh, I feel like we just, uh, you know, touching just a little bit of things, but, it's been great having you to come on. There's a few things that I, I asked to close out, um, and I'm trying to figure out where I want to go with the first question. Uh, okay. You talked about Upward Bound. You talked about Growth Studios. I'm just mm-hmm. going to combine them all and, and give you the question. Okay. Uh, if you could flip a switch and take those programs to the next level, what what would that switch entail? So just deal with each one of them uh, deal with your upper bound, deal with Rogue Studios and uh, whatever other programs you want to toss in there. Hmm. <laughs>
1: I think for upper bound, especially at this point, is a look at the metrics involved. Standardized testing has no role to play in the current state of education. None. The metrics that are involved is is. um. That I mean, and really, I guess that's the only part. I just look at how much of our work is, uh, again, more about eliminating how much kids got to pay to go to college versus them getting to college because they can get to college.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just whether or not we're going to put them back into debt. Okay. You know, so I think that's 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 a big part of it um, for Upward Bound. Other than that, we good. Our kids are good. Our tutors are growing as as young leaders. Um, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished and what we've accomplished as a group for that.
0: So, did I hear you say eliminate cost? Is that is that what I heard?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be fantastic if if each of our students who passed through a certain amount of of, of or they participated in a certain threshold of of upper bound that they wouldn't incur any debt from college.
0: Yeah. Almost like a scholarship, right? Like, you know, athlete gets a scholarship. Yeah. uh, Performers get a scholarship, right? Yes.
1: Yes. So the student loan debt piece is something that's real major when it comes to upper bound. For Grove, I think just continuing to find the right programs. I think the right partnerships. uh, One thing that we've been able to do um, with the Amplify Fellowship is we created something called the What Now Music Industry Forum, where we're starting to branch out and talk to other people that are speaking these same languages that we are like, yeah. you know, connecting with Decipher in Detroit and connecting yeah. with the Motown Music Collective and connecting with Assemble Sound who are all kind of trying to do this democratization of the music making process. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's what I would ask for, for Grove. And additional funding is always great. Yeah, Additional people coming in the door and spending time with Grove is always great. Um, but I really like for the programs, that are there to be beneficial. Talk about that funding.
0: How, how is the program funding and how would that ed, uh, additional funding look?
1: So so Grove is, is um, just finalizing its nonprofit arm. So for example, for Amplify, additional funding would allow us to provide additional services to the fellows yeah. and bring in more and more fellows. So right now we're able to pay for their studio time, pay for production and engineering support and things of this nature. We need additional funds to be able to pay for uh, marketing. We need additional funds to pay for potentially additional equipment. We need addition, and all of this is built around them going out into the community and using their talents to provide to community organizations. It yeah. allows us to right. impact more community organizations. Yeah. It allows us to spend more time in the community doing things. So that additional funding, it basically just augments what we've already developed, and uh, we're we're currently seeking partners for that.
0: Okay. All right. Cool. All right. So. I think I want to do one more. So you talked about ramp uh and it's it's ongoing at River Rouge. Yes, sir. Um but we talked about that expanding. If you could flip a switch and expand that to schools throughout, let's just say Michigan for now, what would that 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 uh switch be?
1: To to make certain that music production programs can be can receive the same credentialing that in the Michigan merit curriculum that Hmm. are received by drama, art, theater, music, choir, band classes as well. Wow. That would be huge. Um, And then being able to create an ecosystem here in the state that funnels not only resources into um, working with some of the existing labs that exist in these buildings that are sitting idle yeah. because of the amount of mobile technology that's available. Um, so utilizing those, filling those with equipment that can make this program work and this project work, but also within that ecosystem, utilizing people from the community who know how to work the, com- work the, the equipment and empowering them above and beyond being a, stri- a, stru- a struggling artist yeah. or a basement bedroom producer you can yeah. come in this classroom and you can teach yeah. kids for two hours a week on how to use it yeah wow you know that would be my wish that well i'm not gonna say it's a wish that's the vision
0: okay excellent all right so we, we're gonna we're gonna cut it there <laughs> like i said uh every time you speak man i, it, I it can really,
1: talk brother i can yeah and, and
0: energize and inspire man it's just uh you got it in spades um uh, But this is a podcast and it's, you know, it's a time thing. So, absolutely. (laughs) We'll have to do a part two and part three, perhaps. But we always close out with this question Have you ever been on the cover
1: of a magazine? No. Never. No. Okay. Well,
0: this is a first.
1: All of our participants.
0: All of our guests that come on to our podcast, we put them on, we placed them on uh, the Dripping in Black magazine cover for that that episode. There you are, Mr. Rod Wallace. Oh man, I love it. I love it. So that is a parting gift. We will uh, tighten that up, get that out to you. And uh, yeah, and uh, if you look behind me, several of the previous guests uh we have them on our wall as well along with some other dignitaries in our history so
1: yes sir yeah well i'm honored to be a part of that and i'm honored to be i i appreciate sincerely the fact that you asked me to come on um thank you so very much
0: the pleasure is ours i'm gonna give you a chance to to shout out any social media Okay. take your time with it because we talked about a few different programs so I want people to be able to understand how to connect with you for those various programs like uh, Upward Bound and um, uh, Amplify and those other things so
1: okay Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at where is Wallace I'm also on Facebook at Rob Wallace Um, I am you can also if you for more information about Grove Studios you can go to grovestudios.space Um, You can also go to to learn more about the Amplify Fellowship. You can go to amplify-fellowship.com and as far as music um, to support my music you can go to robwallis.bandcamp.com as well.
0: All right. All right. So again, pleasure is all ours and we're going to close out with our final episode The Last Drip but we want to thank you Rod Wallace for coming out
1: Thank you very much
0: Up next The Last Drip But first A message from Anchor A Drippin' in Black Thanks to Rod Wallace For coming through And discussing his passions For educating and hip hop With us Uh, more importantly we thank him for the work that he's doing to liberate minds however we have reached the final segment of our podcast called the last drip the last drip is the last opportunity for us to squeeze in a bit more black excellence for you in this final segment we highlight a common thread between our guests and our vast and rich african-american history for this episode, we place our focus on a modern-day history-making organization called Hip Hop for Change, Inc. Founded in 2013 by Bay Area rap artist and activist Coffrey J, Hip Hop for Change, Inc. is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. It does community outreach in Berkeley and Oakland schools with the mission to use hip-hop culture to promote self-determination and activism in the Bay area of California. This grassroots organization has already made a huge impact employing almost a thousand people while raising over $3 million to advance social justice and hip hop activism in the Bay area. According to Coffrey J hip hop for change is based on four principles from the Zulu nation, peace, love, unity and having fun through this organization's programs students learn about breakdancing graffiti art DJing and lyricism hip-hop for change educates people about socioeconomic injustices and advocates for solutions through hip-hop culture it raises funds for local causes in historically marginalized and oppressed communities The organization's primary focus is based on self-determination, which in turn empowers its community to control the cultural narratives, values, and means of production. Both Rod Wallace and Coffrey J view hip-hop as a powerful vehicle to create change in their local communities, as well as the world at large. In honor of this common thread, Hip-Hop for Change is this episode's last trip. For more on Hip Hop for Change, check out coffrej.com, Berkeleyside.com, and HipHopForChange.org. My thanks to all of these websites for the knowledge. Much respect and homage to our vast and rich African-American history and my gratitude to the modern day African-American history makers across the world. As usual, I implore you to get up on your African-American history. And as always, I implore you to be good, be good, be good. It is a choice. You have just experienced a tripping in Black production.